to the Urban Planners Podcast, hosted by Gigi the Planner. This podcast is about all things urban planning related and otherwise. In this setting, we'll discuss the ins and outs of the planning field. We'll even delve into some very controversial topics involving the role planners have to take in their everyday lives and jobs. Without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. This This is Gigi the Planner. Welcome everyone to episode 29 of the Urban Planners Podcast. In today's episode, we will be continuing the Starting Your Planning Brand series, and I will be interviewing Kristen Devers from the Black Urbanist platform, and she will be talking about how she got started 10 years ago with her brand and how you can do the same. Hope you all enjoy. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome, Kristen, to the Urban Planners Podcast. It's funny that you're here with me because two years ago, you were interviewing me for your podcast, and I didn't expect that now I'll be interviewing you because I had no idea I was going to do a podcast. But thank you for being here with me today. It's a great honor. I'm just super excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny how life is. <laughs> it is, yes. So, Kristen, I know you consider yourself a planner, but you don't have any actual planning degrees. You have a degree in communications and public administration. So briefly tell the listeners how and why you got into the planning field. So really, I've always been fascinated with planning type things. I've been fascinated about writing about planning type things. Even before the Black Urbanist, I was blogging and occasionally I would blog about a neighborhood thing or I'd blog about a mall nearby or I'd blog about wanting to live somewhere where there was more transit, a more 24-hour transit. And so I just have always solved problems with the pen. And then way back in elementary school, I wrote about jams and jellies going to school or going to friends' houses and going to visit people. They lived in apartments. One was the cabinet, one was the refrigerator. So six years old, I was already thinking about planning. Around the same time, probably about four or six years old, my father taught me how to read a map for the first time. He brought home the maps from the truck stop. We were traveling on the floor. And so that just began a lifelong obsession with atlases, maps, globes. And then I started looking at signs and how different trucks and different buses were like delivery of it, how they were the branding of it. And then I go to school for communication, like public relations. And so I get deep into that. When I start graduate school, this is the part of the story that everybody knows. I'm sitting in my classroom and boom, okay, I realized that I need to brand myself even more. I don't see, definitely not on the internet, and at this point, not in real life, there weren't that many people who were openly talking about Black urbanism or Black planning. And then I also didn't realize I was leaning towards being a planner. I've always seen myself as a communicator, a community person someone who does planning work because that's the tactic but i tend to like doing the public engagement i tend to like creating the planning story so because of the fascination i've had it led me to grad school and public affairs and our program was deeper than administration it was policy it was a little bit of planning that you could add on it was a community and economic development concentration and it was also this passion on amplifying my particular community, specifically the context of Southern, Black, a middle class that was in the whole region. Some people were doing worse, some people were doing better, but it was shared 
culture, in some cases, a shared culture across racial backgrounds. And I wanted to tell that story. And then as I kept telling the story, getting to know people, tweeting, Instagramming, Facebooking, writing 10 years worth of blogs, that's how I found myself in the planning, going to the planning conferences, tweeting at folks like Mitch Silver and others who were solidly planners. And of course, now I have a planning contract now. I've had a couple other formal public engagement planning contracts. I've served on several transportation commissions. I've worked in transportation promotions and marketing, and in some cases, policy planning in a number of metro areas across the U.S. And I've traveled widely across the U.S. and Canada to help people think about how to plan including last year I got an honor to come back to Greensboro as a featured planner to help us with our comp plan. And so our comp plan is ready. It's out of the gate. They're supposed to be mailing it to my PO box. So I need to pop over there and probably take a look at it. But that's the story. I've always been a writer, always been curious. And the thing I've been curious the most about in my writing up to this point is how places work, how the places we call cities work, even how farms work versus cities. So over the years, you have a lot of different types of planning experience. What has that consisted of? I know that you've worked a lot of different places all over the U.S. You've done a lot of different like contract work. Let's talk about your planning experience in more depth. I'm proud of saying that I come into the room in the early stages of a set of construction documents or a planning process. A lot of people will say, if you could just take away the people, if I could just draw maps all day, that would be great. Now, I do love consuming maps, but I'm not a GIS person. I asked my professors in um, grad school, I was a little concerned. I was like, maybe I should transfer to Chapel Hill because I went to USC Greensboro. Chapel Hill is the planning program in North Carolina. And I was a little concerned. I was like, I don't have planning on my degree. Under APA's old rules, I'm eligible to sit for the exam this year. I applied to sit. So I knew going in that if I stayed on the same track that I was going in on, I was going to have to be non-traditional if I expected to not just make money, but be happy and be productive in what I was doing. And once again, I still enjoyed writing. I still enjoyed theory. I still enjoyed theorizing. And so if anything, I like challenging my fellow planners and folks in related industries design and the broad umbrella that folks like designers protest use to talk about what design is i like challenging us to think outside of the box i like challenging us to not just plan for five years from now but also plan for maybe five days five months and I think especially now we're recording this right in the middle. We're still in this COVID pandemic. That is how I've approached my planning. The public engagement person. I come in at the beginning. I survey the community. I think about unique ways to survey the community. I've completed one formal project. So I have a park project in Birmingham, Alabama that I did the public engagement on. I had help. The, the primary firm did the graphics for me, but I insisted on, okay, let's do things that are fun. Let's go where people are. We had a cookout. I did actually put some design into the project. I didn't just talk to people there. I felt a kinship, but I also have been courageous enough, even when not on that project, I was doing the engagement meeting and this one person was like, I don't want a basketball court. And it snapped me a little bit. That's when I realized, okay, maybe I, I need to think about how I approach this work sometimes. But then he was, I just want a fishing hole. I'm like, you could get your fishing hole. 
in your basketball court and we had an amphitheater and it was also heartbreaking because we lost one of our elders that worked with us as one of our advisors. This was an all-Black community in the northwest corner of Birmingham that was annexed over the years, and they've been through a lot of challenges. Tornado in 2011, they had just rebuilt their library, and now this site is the anchor site of that library. And now the Birmingham City had plans to put housing there, but we basically anchored that. and so. I still approach it as, okay, I'm talking about how people do public engagement. I'm telling them they should have a paper that people can circle pictures on, which have a lot of pictures. Don't worry about words, pictures. Let's have these big uh, panels. And yeah, you can do the green and red dots and you can vote on that. But I want a handheld thing. Also, don't be afraid of that one person who seems like they don't like anything that you do. That is the nature of our work, the nature of how we're funded, the nature of oftentimes how we're brought in, especially when we're brought in on a project that's been, like people say, public meetings, shredded to death. That's the challenge I enjoy. I've worked in customer service before, so it's really bringing customer service and constituent service and storytelling into the planning world and getting a foundation set in the beginning of the project, a foundation set with the people and really doing your best to convey, hey, I want this project to get built too. I'll do everything in my power for it to happen. I understand you, I enjoy you. And oftentimes me being a um, black American person, I'm also brought in on projects where there's a large black American population. That's generally what happens. I'm brought in because I understand culture and specifically Southern because I understand Black Southern culture in a special way. Not that I don't understand other Black cultures, but people read and seen my work and the not straightforward planning work, and they trust me in a lot of ways to do that. So my approach is basically beginning storytelling, surveying, getting the survey, actually doing the meetings or whatever version of the meetings we're going to do. And then I do the report of, okay, this is what the public wants, make the magic happen. And so that's what happened in Birmingham. You can look at the park and I, I guess I can include a link to Pratt Park so people can see it. And then of course, in this latest project, it's gonna be a lot of cool things. It's too early to say yet, but there are, I, I'm excited about this next project that, Gishla, I'm happy to have you helping me on a little bit. So that I'm excited about that too. Yeah, thank you for bringing me on. And this is actually my first time actually getting involved in public engagement or community engagement. So I'm trying to learn everything. But yeah, this is a unique and cool experience. So thank you for bringing me on. Yes. So now let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is about your platform, Black Urbanist. So you started about 10 years ago. What were like the main reasons for you to start your brand? Like I said earlier, visibility was a huge problem. We were doing this work, but we weren't necessarily doing it in the digital space. And when we were doing it in the digital space, it wasn't monetized. It wasn't, honestly, a lot of people to this day still see some of this activity as a toy. Like social media was just something kids did at college or something you do on the weekends. A lot of places, of course, if you work in a governmental situation, you have lots of regulations often on how you use social media. But once again, I've always written, I've always solved problems with the creative pen. 
of course, now I'm doing more actual hand drawing and surface design. I'm in this, reading this textbook on urban politics, and it's no mention of things like air property, white flight, disinvestment, which speak more to someone who is in North Carolina. Now, Charlotte is looking at, and Raleigh are starting to look at things, actual gentrification. The Cherry neighborhood in Charlotte, literally that neighborhood was sold parcel by parcel. It's gone. The area around Shaw University in Raleigh, that area has turned over. And that area has been documented as being a place where people are selling properties for higher than they were. When I started, DC was starting to wrestle with this kind of gentrification where black neighborhoods were getting sold off or people were taking high dollar amounts for their homes or they weren't able to keep their homes for property taxes or certain people that weren't necessarily black Americans were allowed to get loans, mortgages, cash sales, investor opportunities in those neighborhoods and still black Americans because this is DC. There's still a critical mass of people. I, I wanted to dig in and of course I was in an academic setting. So I really wanted to dig in and tell this story of Black people who've been rural people for all these years, and they consider themselves part of a community, but they just so happen to hold on to their land. Both of my parents grew up in communities like that where they were rural, but there were several houses in a cluster. So they were a little village of Black folks who managed to own property in North Carolina in the mid 20th century, and actually earlier than that. There's census records of them actually being free folks with land earlier than that. So one of that story conveyed. And I realized I, there were so many other Black land-related stories, and I wanted to insert myself into the narrative and talk about that from my perspective. Of course, if you read the front of the site, I still believe that, that and I've actually strengthened that language that I'm not the only one, I'm not the only expert, but this is a specific slice of life. But I would love in the future to be able to be a Black city lab, a Black next city, like cover things from a Black American as well as Black diasporic perspective and also uh, cover all the different diasporas, the Afro-Latin diaspora. Those are brothers and sisters who still are on the continent or have went to other countries, went to China. How people of Black African descent have spread out all over the world on all the different islands and then also just uplift that we have these stories in our community. And we don't, it's great that we have help from our friends in other places, but we have these stories, we have these reflections. We are more than capable of telling our story, more than capable of building our homes, built, creating transportation systems, creating community. And so that's ultimately why I started to really center the Black experience. And of course, over the years, I've added elements to that Black experience that are specific to me. And I know I do share commonalities with other people. But ultimately, the Black experience is centered. And of course, now we have your platform, your site, and so many others who are centering the Black experience, even in doing kind of a generic, in some cases, a generic overview of our industry, it's still a Black experience because it comes through a Black frame. Most definitely. So year one and year 10 of the Black urbanist, I know those are two totally different like vantage points to come from. So how has your brand changed over these 10 years? Oh, wow. 
just for one thing, I knew there was a part of my journey, just I knew I would not necessarily be living at home forever or living in Greensboro forever. So the traveling, the living in multiple jurisdictions, moving from Kansas City to DC proper, then to Baltimore, then back to DC proper, now I'm pretty sure just county, coming out of the closet and being an open and outward member of the LGBTQ community, and being a proud black womanist, feminist, queer person, and thinking about how all these different intersections work. Being a solopreneur, and so there were times when I did this and this was a side gig, but this has been, I've been basically on contract with someone now for the last five years. I haven't held a full-time benefits contract I've been tamping with some people, but mostly I've just been doing this and promoting this now. And so my life experiences have definitely affected how I approach the site, the things I'm interested in writing in, the things that I think are really important to document. And I've gotten even more empathy. I've thought about how the class issues affect our industry even more. I've thought about how we don't always include people who have differing abilities, like how we don't always think and default to folks who need sign language or folks who need to see you with sign language or folks who need to um, hear us and they only hear us because they're blind or all those things have infused themselves. It's been a solo effort and I'm, I'm so adamant and very much into being able to compensate people and give people a fair experience. I have been doing a lot myself. I've always been outspoken. I've always been ahead of the game in some ways. It may not always be as evident, uh, especially maybe I would say in the current moment, I haven't been as vocal, but I've always been supportive because it's, that's just what it is. Our lives absolutely do matter as Black people and all of our Black lives matter. And that's still something we're, we do sometimes struggle with in our communities. And I also think we've we should make sure we can capture people we don't always capture. Once again, that work in formal public engagement has also bled into my own personal reflection. And so right now I'm looking at the legacy of what I've done over the past 10 years with the site. There's a lot of resources on the site now. There's, a, there's 10 years worth of blog posts. I'm gonna, my next book's gonna encapsulate that in book form. And then the next phase is thinking about sustainability and independent financing and how I can branch out more as a designer in different areas, how I can let my full creative juices run and connect with different people, not necessarily planners, people who are just only planners and people are only architects and people are only whatever design community thing and really give an underpinning so that this is something I don't have to worry about that's going to shut down or it's not going to be um, funded or I am barely like using my time. I am doing more education. I launched effectively a small school now. <laughs> I'm So far I've been teaching Chocolate Cities, the Black Map of American Life, but the goal is to continue to add videos and trainings on different books that I consider part of the Black, urbanist, feminist, queer canon. I'm talking about other books, Color of Law as of right now is on Kindle Unlimited and I think people will benefit from hearing someone like me talk about this and think about it through the lenses I live in. So before it was just Black Southern. Now it's expanded out to 
everything else that I embody and how would a person like me, what lens do I spend on it? And then also supporting you all as y'all build this web of black urbanist media. Many of you all are planners who have blogs, but that's still an online platform. Our um, student population, even some of our elders are learning the Google and they're Googling things like black urbanism, black people in cities, does black lives matter in cities and they're finding us. And so they're finding these platforms. And so that's something else I want to keep moving towards. And I guess there's probably a later question, but the brand has definitely changed from just it being me ranting, writing a diary entry every night. And I used to write every day to thinking consciously about education, design world, giving people a sense of feeling at home through my own personal surface designs, teaching people fundamentals of communication. That's going to be something I launch next year. And then of course, allowing people to learn and understand and know more about people who have similar backgrounds to me, who've written things that may not be urbanist on the surface, but they definitely have something to do with planning and urbanism. Cool. Yeah, I see a lot has changed, most definitely. <laughs> so what are the lessons that you learned over these years from having started this brand? Definitely that not everybody's going to be a friend. And I wrote that those words about two or three years ago on the site, and I still see that to this day. Uh, to take the skills you have in planning and apply that if you do decide to do a side venture. Don't limit yourself to thinking you're just going to be one thing. Live openly under words like design or culture that allow you to do whatever you need to do. Your most successful plans will leave the paper and they will go out into the world. And so for me, I thought I had, I thought I couldn't be a writer anymore once I was done with grad school. I was supposed to be some like planning public administrator hybrid. And then for a while, I was like, if I call myself a planner, I can't call myself this. We get into a lot into the semantics and what people should call themselves and who is this and who's that. Now, there are legal things that keep you from calling yourself certain things. I'm not telling everybody to go out and start calling yourself an architect tonight if that's not you, that's not this show. I realize that for a lot of folks, they are legally not planners in their jurisdictions unless they have AICP or anything like that. But of course, that's not as binding as some of the other professional classes. I've learned this, the work you do goes beyond the paper and the page. It is connecting with communities. It is being yourself. And I kind of always knew I had to go in this being myself. That's the only way to be. It gets frustrating sometimes. I feel like there's conversations that I don't get to have. There's conversations that are had over and over again. I beat myself up sometimes because I'm like, well, didn't I make this SEO searchable? So Google, but then I realized people are just thinking about this. Unlike those of us who are super planning, there's now certain elements of planning and urban life and things like gentrification and transit are things that more and more people are realizing have a huge impact in their daily lives. And it's okay that some folks are late to the party on understanding some of these issues. I don't have to be hard on them. I can be there maybe as a mentor, not always as a friend, as a nudge. Hey, this is how it was. And of course, over the years, I've learned to take time for myself. I've learned to compartmentalize my work. I've learned to just rest when I need to rest. Now the summer has taxed me a little bit because there's been so much energy and so much action and so much push 
But this fall and winter, I definitely see myself returning back to a rhythm of, okay, three or so hours a day, I do my work. Then I actually draw or I crochet or I take time for myself and just let myself dwell in the world. I really love the nap ministry lady. That person is pretty awesome in my book. For someone like me who's been at doing this kind of work for so long, learning how to take care of myself so I can be of service to my community at, as a whole person is vital. Cool. I like where you came from, where planning is beyond just the paper, because I believe that you don't really have to go to school to be a planner. You can just have a high school diploma or no diploma and nothing, and you can consider yourself a planner. So I do appreciate you mentioning that. So what are some of the key tools that you use on the day-to-day to help you run your brand successfully? So the, a lot of you are on my MailChimp email list. So that's definitely something that's been a tool. I've run my uh, website on Bluehost with a WordPress build. It's been a successive years of WordPress building. Now, WordPress has gotten even more easier to drag and drop around. Now, when I started, you couldn't just type anywhere on the page. You had to know a lot of code. And so I'm adjusting to that. And there's some posts that are from the era when I didn't have as much technology. So that's something I'm adjusting to. Uh, Adobe Suite, InDesign, Illustrator, Photoshop, especially when I'm doing my graphic design, my surface design. And if anytime I want to enhance photographs, I scan, I actually write off newspaper and magazine subscriptions because I am being able to keep abreast of what's going on in the world. Since I am more of a media person, I need to know who's doing what. And so I read everybody. I try to glance over and know what the main headlines are of other urbanist publications, even on days I'm not writing intensely, but getting into that practice for when I do build that newsroom element up and running. And then, of course, any tools, like, I consider my textile as part of this, too. So, of course, I've been crocheting every day this pandemic. Audio-wise, I also have this lovely blue snowball mic. Uh, if you hear me on anything, even though I'm not podcasting lately and definitely still using that when I teach my courses, I'm working on hosting the main course on Teachable. I've been doing just solo Zooms because it's just been easier to capture the screen, uh, capture images, capture uh all those things. I am literally knocking on the wood next to me that my MacBook does not go down on me (laughs) because I've literally been a MacBook person now. And I've had this MacBook now since uh, 2012. It is a 2011 refurbished model. So I, I know a lot of our profession because they use a lot of the map softwares need to be on Windows. I don't really draw maps on a day-to-day basis. I'm doing more storytelling, video editing, graphic creating. That's more of the colorful and photographic and conceptual of creations. So in my day-to-day, I don't need necessarily to be able to run ArcGIS. And of course, there's that embed now they have in the Adobe suite. But I am looking forward to the day that I can get the top of the line MacBook Pro that has a terabyte drive that can run on my graphics. And I don't have to worry about this thing burning up. I look forward to post-COVID. Both of us are talking about building home studios. So that way, my partner and I, we're both podcasting. I'll go ahead and admit it that I've been working out of my bed office. I have a tray table that puts me up to eye level, but I'm realizing, okay, once again, prayers and wood knocks that I don't get sick with the virus or anything else that I actually have to be 
in the bed working, but I, there were periods of time where my body started to fail me a little bit. I didn't know if it was actual chronic pain or if it was depression and being able to do all this work in theory from the bed has been encouraging. So knowing I could get this tray table, my over the ear headphones, my microphone and so many things like Dropbox, Adobe, Teachable, of course, I bill on Patreon. That's really an everyday thing. All these web tools, all these um, cloud tools, and then just the little things that help me continue to tell the story. And then, of course, all the other sites and all the other information that comes in uh, to help me. As far as keeping up with articles, I want to give a shout out to a site called GitPocket. It allows you to save links. I'm still a huge Evernoter, not as much as I used to be, but Evernote was something that helped me through the first eight years. I often draft posts in the Notes app. Google Docs. I often draft a lot of things in Google Docs because it's all over and I can just share things with people. I do have a copy of Office, so sometimes it's better and more beneficial for me to go old school to Office. Sometimes I might start a PowerPoint for the school and switch it over to Google. But lately I've kind of gotten a groove in Google, Google pres- the Google presentation part where I have my design motif. I like that it has a universal font and as more of a graphic oriented person, those things help. So a lot of different tools, most of them that your average journalistic type, graphic designer, someone who's capturing audio all the time, someone who's looking into the video space, that's my tool set on a day-to-day basis. And I do it on a MacBook. And before that, I started this, it was on an HP laptop. And I've been on my MacBook Air now for the better part of about eight or so years. And I'll be moving to another MacBook very soon. Thanks for sharing that. A lot of people don't really realize like all the things that you need to use to have (laughs) successful business or brand. Like I'm trying to figure out how to cut back on some of the stuff because it's expensive. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh yeah, I forgot. QuickBooks. If you are at the point where you're making your own money with your venture, or even if you want just some extra help with your household finance, Mint is that becomes QuickBooks when you start looking at business. It's the same company, or there's some other financial companies that allows you to see how much you spend. It categorizes your expenses for you. And then you can also kind of plan ahead when it comes to social media. You can plan ahead when it comes to what you want to write, images you need. And so definitely think about that. You don't need every social media planner. You don't need MailChimp and Substack. And you can use one of each and you don't have to use big expensive things. I'm so proud of seeing this Wix site do what it's doing. Wix was not this robust when I got started. WordPress was not doing this stuff when I first got started. I would tell everybody who's thinking about doing what we've done, take advantage of how easy it is now to get these things off the ground but don't get lazy and think oh all the tools are going to do it for me have an outline just like you would plan anything else for anybody those of you who are solidly planners take that skill and use it and whatever your side venture is even if it's not planning because that will keep you from stress You'll be able to file those taxes on time. You know what your quarterly taxes look like. Those invoices that you're going to start sending yourself, not your firm, not your jurisdiction that you work for. You will be sending invoices and it will come in handy for you to be able to look a certain way. And then also know when it's time to outsource. When is it time to staff up? When is it time to get vendors? When is it time to 
be judicious and use someone on Fiverr. And there's, I finally broke down and used somebody on Fiverr to do some data entry for me over the weekend. And now I'll finally get to file these taxes I've been waiting on for a while. (laughs) Those things matter so much. And I will continue to say it. So I know everybody that's listening is not going to necessarily go the entrepreneurial route, but some of you are going to consider, or just by necessity with this pandemic and the recessions that may come, or if you operate in a different country, you may end up doing this as a freelancer. And so if you end up being a planner as a freelancer, even if you're like a map maker, even if you're an engineer, those finance softwares, those receipt capturing softwares, they're going to be your best friend because that's how they're going to know how to pay you. Otherwise, you'll be on your own. I know a lot of you are Excel whizzes, but unless you really have a good Excel mechanism, I think it's worth spending the, the extra funds to have an accounting software that does some of it for you. Same thing with social media um, posting planners. I get, I'm guilty of that thinking, oh, I could just make a Word document and I could type out when I want to type stuff. But sometimes those social media planners, they will find hashtags for you that you may have not known about. They analyze when your audience, like basically those social media planners know when all of planning Twitter is active and they know when they're active in whatever time zone they're in. So That's the advantage of using some of these automated tools. And then, of course, strategy, business strategists. And definitely uh, vet those people. Make sure they've had some skin in the game and time in the game and they understand what you're doing and that what we do as planners is nuanced. I've had to do that over the years. People see the public relations side of what I do. and They're like, oh, we understand. We could do this and that. I'm like, not quite. Regulated industry, conservative industry. Some of them don't read, some of them don't write, some of them can just barely type in the stuff and you're charged with working with them. So there's a lot of different things. And then some read exceptionally well, some write exceptionally well, and it's like balancing all these different types of brains and stuff. Once again, if you're thinking business strategists, if you're thinking vendors, get someone as much as possible that either understands the industry or can be well-trained. So (laughs) I I had to add a little bit of that. We've talked about this privately, but definitely anybody who's listening and, oh yeah, now I heard from Kristen, she's an entrepreneur and how's that really worked and what is she doing? And can I just start, I don't know, emailing people and saying, hey, I've got a shingle out there. What do I need to do? Yeah. And then of course, over time, you don't have to decide on incorporation immediately. But when you start getting tax bills, then you probably should think about how your business is incorporated. But don't wear yourself over LLC versus sole proprietorship unless your jurisdiction requires that before you really start making money. Yeah, most definitely. And even with you talking about the QuickBooks, I need to officially do that because I've been using Excel. I'm not an Excel whiz, Mm -hmm. But I've been trying to figure that out. I think I might have a code. Like, I think they're doing that thing when you refer a friend. So let I'll try. I'll see if I can find that and send you to refer a friend link. Because sometimes they give little discounts on that. And that's, again, ask your friends who've already been doing this kind of work. Mm -hmm. If they've been working with certain softwares. Uh, Adobe allows a certain number of site licenses on their personal side. So you may be able to share as much as possible. Oh, and the library depending on where you live, you could be surprised at newspapers, yeah, true. Linda. I think we have Creative Bug at the Prince George's Library. I didn't realize that. So there's a lot of art classes I don't have to pay for. Yeah. Use your library, especially now where they've um, beefed up their online resources. 
definitely be resourceful as you create your tools, but don't be afraid to spend money when you really truly need to spend money or get people that you really need to get. I totally agree with you on that. So what are the future goals with the Black Urbanists? I know you spoke about it briefly, but what are some things coming down the pipeline in the next year or so? So I'm definitely going to start really raising money. My, my dream, honestly, is to be able to completely self-finance. So that's why I've been really focusing on other business ventures that aren't necessarily urbanism or TBU that I could really grow revenue and then put revenue in. Those of you who've read my August and the September newsletter, I talked about the media world and specifically about the design media world. Often, a lot of those venues are nonprofit venues. They get grants because they are 501c3 organizations. I'm still assessing if part of my organization needs to be that. Now, as a Black woman, I feel like it's more advantageous for me to be able to just be a sole proprietor and not have limits on how I spend my money and where my money goes. And just, I'm thankful that people do support me and support me having a livelihood. Of course, I'm going to be building out the school because I think that's important, especially with distance education and with giving parents and caregivers and community friends an option to uh, share uh, Black-centric curriculum with their young ones and even themselves. I've had people tell me that they've learned a lot in the course, that they've learned things they did not realize they learned about very key historical figures in covering them and how they're connected to urbanism. So I look forward to continuing to get more folks that are engaged in the school, more subscribers, continue to build that up. So that's a major revenue driver. Get into the educational field, get into corporate training through that part. I'm looking forward to launching the com slash how I did it class sometime in 2021. Also in, under the teachable banner, I'm looking forward to licensing some art, doing some more hand drawing and licensing some art and creating some crochet patterns. Once again, all of this in this greater design world, the idea is to to have enough money to field a team of investigative reporters, of columnists, that we can truly tell the Black urbanist story and do it on a regular basis. And if and when I decide to let that brand go into the community, and honestly, the Black urbanist is something I see as eventually going into the community, becoming part of our can and becoming part of our legacy, much like Ebony and Jet and Essence are well known as Black publications, becoming a piece of history. I also, as an artist and someone who wants to be able to sustain themselves, and as a Black woman, it is a little harder uh, to sometimes sustain ourselves. We have different pressures and the need for us to sustain ourselves, especially Black queer women and Black trans women, like, and those in other marginalized, Black disabled women and women identified people and just people in general, non-binary, just in general, Black folks, we've had barriers to climb. We've had microaggressions. We don't always know how long we're going to be on, in favor on a job. This is not necessarily the era that our parents and grandparents lived through that they could go work at a job for 30 years and be okay. Uh, Even if it is that for some people, the behavior on jobs in a lot of places is just not right. And so being able to walk away, I want to be able to bring folks on. There are so many talented people out there 
who are media professionals, who are planners, attorneys, like all these different thinkers and minds that are out there that I would love to have on my team, on a team where they don't have to worry about necessarily delivering clients. They could say these provocative things. We could publish a, a magazine every month that has black people on its cover. We could have TV news shows around urban planning and development and architecture on a regular basis. And it's equitable and it's, it's inclusive and it's mindful of our history in this country, how we got here, how we maintain here, and how we communicate with other folks. So in the interim, of course, getting my rest in order, getting my workflow in order. I've been assisting, that's my partner. She's launching a venture called Endoqueer, which is an awareness organization around the disease endometriosis. It's believed to be an autoimmune disorder. So once again, this is something that kind of more leans on public health. So that's where it comes into planning and urbanism there. My formal title of my company is Kristen Jeffers Media, and it gives me that room to do all these different projects. So I want in the next 10 years to be a full service organization that will be able to provide funding, provide jobs, provide support, provide mentorship. And we're all eating, we're all drinking good. Our kids are fed and we're fed and well, and we're at peace with each other because we're not worried about having to put ourselves in a box. We're not worried about if our job's gonna be there tomorrow. We're not that worried. So that's really the goal continuing to build this platform, this multimedia platform, so that it is a community in itself. Awesome. I love it. I love all those ideas. And yes, we do need Black magazines, urban planning shows. We need it all. (laughs) Yes. And I'm so happy that me having done this now and been out there, there's things I've gone through and I'm happy that I can be there to help y'all as y'all launch in these first few years of launching. Once again, that the software is easier. The main thing for me is fundraising. And then eventually I, I definitely need to staff up. I'm overdue to staff up. I'm starting to ease into that staffing up. Our share project is going to help me with that because I can, and then I negotiated to say I'm staffing up on this particular project. I'm That was a contingent of me taking this next independent project because of course, eventually I want to get to the point where I'm only working on things I create in my firm, but really good, really solid design teams. If they come calling or other projects, I want to be able to be there and I'm learning a lot. I'm enjoying it so far. But I want that choice because there have been times where I'm like, yes, I've got to do this project. and Yeah, I got to be quiet because I can't say this about this client. And especially in this moment, we need to have a loud and vibrant voice. The collective that we've joined, the collective we've created, we, who, who, who would have thought that getting together on Saturday mornings during this pandemic would create a small little movement? But it has. And I'm happy that I can be part and parcel of that and help. And then, of course, I carve out my little niche of my areas of expertise and things I know intimately living that experience. And we just continue to grow from there. We challenge each other and then we continue to grow from there. Most definitely. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with my audience or any advice for people that want to start their planning brand? So definitely, I'll definitely make sure I include this link to be put on the podcast show notes, but I did a post a few years ago, questions to ask and traps to avoid when considering a career in placemaking and sub in any name, planning, architecture, whatever you are, 
these questions are universal. And the great thing is Gishla does career coaching directly. It's in the menu, but as you can tell, I'm a little busy. So there's definitely folks out here who can help you get this together. But if you're talking, say, to a coach that may need some help understanding what you do, those questions first and then take them to whatever person you need to take them to, whether it's your graphic designer, your webmaster, your strategist, heck, even your therapist. That way they know what kind of brain you got going on, what kind of dreams you have. They understand the nuances of our world and our particular stressors. I hope that somebody out there is considering going to planning school as well as going to public health or therapy. And I know there's some dual um, MPH and MPA dual planning and public health people, but also I would love to start seeing some dual health, more dual health, dual social work folks. Uh, I absolutely consider the social workers as part of our fold because if people don't feel comfortable at home or in the, the places where they live, you're not going to be successful. And as a business owner, as someone building a brand, as someone who's adjusting to visibility, as someone is adjusting to doing things out of the box, you need to protect your energy. You need to learn those skills. This will be my key message even after I give this big site over to the, to the community in Ether. Find counselor, get counseling, get help. Don't just try to do it all in your head. Don't try to do it by yourself. And then also make sure you have your intimate people, your partners, your family of origin may not understand. That's not a requirement. Your family of origin did the best that they could. And you're, of course, that's what therapy helps if you're struggling with family of origin issues. But definitely put folks around you, even if it's watching, I don't know, Oprah or watching me or listening to Gishla or somebody else that you look up to and listen to us or read at this point or join the school. I'm there and you listening to me. Just anybody that understands what you're trying to do and it's going to be in your cheerleader in your corner. One of my other favorite therapy apps is Daily Shine. I want to give a shout out here in the DC area. Heart Refuge is a black meditative collective. They do meditations live on Tuesday and Thursday evenings. I haven't been on there as much as I should, but I want to give a shout out to them. They are available to the globe right now in this pandemic. They're called Heart Refuge. And so give yourself that space for those of you who are in this planning world, because you're a nerd, you're a map nerd, you've been playing with trains, you've been looking at buildings your whole life, you've been doing some kind of story like my story, where but you are in an intense environment. Take that time for yourself. Remind yourself you're doing a great job. And then go through either my questions, I know Gishla has resources, go through something like that so that you don't have to be out here alone. I don't want to hear about any other suicides. I don't want to hear about any other bad times. Don't get caught up in toxic positivity, but do be realistic and do seek the help out you need. You don't have to do this alone. And one other thing I want to challenge anyone in the industry who's listening, our legacy, folks who have been in it longer than me, folks who are older than me even, who still see me as a young person in this industry, time is up for being protective, for being sabotaging, for thinking that these online platforms are not for us, that they're just here for toys, that we're out here, we're airing all the dirty laundry, we're airing all the business, we're being too loud, Black Lives Matter is too loud, open queerness is too loud, whatever it is that you think is too loud, that era is going away. And 
your children and the young people that you're going to have to manage as you age into your old age, the ones that are going to back you up, they will work for you. They, not everybody in this generation as a millennial, not everybody in the Z generation and the generation after that, we're not lazy, but we know what we want. We know what we need and we know what is an ethical environment. And so this is the time for ethics. This is the time for taking a stand. And especially those of you who are in good financial position, please consider doing that in this moment right now. Instead of sitting back, seething, saying, oh, I understand why they're so loud and so vocal and everything. If the, I'm happy to see there's some folks that have stood up this summer that, that were not standing up prior to now, and I'm happy that you're on that course. Please consider joining us because this is definitely a life or death issue. How we, as Black folks, plan our cities or are allowed to be in cities, our lives yeah, they matter. And so please don't be that planner that stands in the way of that. Please, if you are a white ally listening to this, be that accomplice, take those steps. It doesn't have to be my class, but my class is one of the, a, a good place to start that's design rooted. And then likewise, if you are a fellow um, black person or person of color, do what you can to make sense of this, process this, and, and join us in the movement. We're the better for it. That's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Most definitely. Thank you for that. So as we wrap up, please share your website, your social media platforms so people can connect with you. I'm at Black Urbanist on Twitter and Instagram. And yes, Facebook still exists, but I'm still debating on whether or not Facebook's the platform we need to be on. I do want to say this for anybody who's listening. There are very real safety issues that are presenting themselves on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. So I'm still evaluating if that's where I want to be. I know that's where we tend to hang out and where we are. Same with LinkedIn. There's some safety issues with all these big platforms. That's why I've been working on creating um, new multimedia platforms. But in the meantime, at Black Urbanist on Instagram and Twitter, The Black Urbanist on Facebook, theblackurbanist.com, uh, kristineejeffers.com for everything. Um, you can start at kristineejeffers.com and, and there's links to everything. Uh, theblackurbanist.com for everything that's strictly planning related. At Chris Pattern for all the crafting. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for, you know, joining me today and have a good night. All right. Take care, everybody in the world. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to be interviewed in a future episode, please head over to my website at ggtheplanner.com and select the interview tab and you can request to be interviewed by me in a future episode. That's all for today, folks. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Urban Planners Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over and leave a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss out on an episode. If you would like to buy personalized urban planning gear and other products or are in need of some urban planning career coaching, please head over to ggtheplanner.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at ggtheplanner. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.